0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. You're also kate to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen: comedy, genre reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate calls joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's been a week. It has been a week. Um, My week's been okay. Uh, How's yours been? My week's been okay, like, personally. It's, you know, yeah. it's been a fine week. Just, like, it's been such a week to be a woman <laughs> in this country. <laughs> you know, um... The last week on the podcast, I also want to specifically mention, because we talked about some of the stuff that's been going down, but we have not mentioned uh, Puerto Rico. And I felt feel like, because we haven't mentioned it because it's not in any way TV related. Um, some of the other things that have been going down have been more TV related. Um, but obviously... Our thoughts, my thoughts are still with with people dealing with massive flooding and no power and no food and no water and all this stuff in, in Puerto Rico. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure, sir, as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And mostly just frustration with the response. And also, the response also was boiling down to private enterprise will save Puerto Rico, to which I go, oh, that's... It's That's so not infuriating. A great sign.
0: It's so, and we've seen this plot line on so many TV shows recently too. Right. Like this idea that because we, we keep, you know, I watch, uh, I watch a couple shows, we usually just one show on MSNBC, um, and the mayor of San Juan has been on, uh, sure, frequently in the past. You know, you know, since Maria, and and the the overwhelming thread has been. FEMA and has been useless, and uh, the federal response has been incompetently managed, but we've gotten a lot of pub- uh, private and s- uh, corporate donations, and that's really helped, and it's just like, that's great, don't get me wrong, that's great, that's not how it's supposed to work, and I hate right. these shows that are like, let's just give a rich guy who has good intentions the police department, or tell him that, because it's, it's always him, it's always a dude, and he's always, right. always a head white guy, um, and tell him that he doesn't need to listen to, like, the e- codes of ethics for hospitals, and, you know, and get rid of, you know, privacy, because we trust this rich guy to have our best interests at heart, and we certainly can't rely on our government, and we certainly can't rely on our institute, it's just so depressing that, because of who is in office and who they have and have not put into a very important jobs um, structurally throughout our government, that that is where we're at. Um, so I guess there is, that is a way to pivot it to be about TV. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, not a lot, but yeah. So there's that. And then this week also in, in TV related things we've had, Oh, uh, I wanted to mention Survivor's Remorse, which is a show that, yeah, I really appreciate it. I think it's terrific. It will be ending at, at the end of the season, which is disappointing to hear, but they've certainly had a really terrific four, you know, there'll be four seasons at the end of this year um, run. Uh, we also had the Rick and Morty insanity with Szechuan sauce. And- yeah,
1: yeah. I needed like an explainer on that because A, I don't watch Rick and Morty and B, I was sort of unplugged from social media on uh over the last weekend so when i signed on on monday all i saw on twitter was like rick and morty fans dot 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 and i just went what happened on the finale that rick and morty fans are so upset and then i read closer and a friend of the show Corey barker was just like no this is what happened a bunch of angry people stormed mcdonald's demanding sauce (laughs) yeah just demanding sauce to which i promptly went it's just sauce yeah. Guys. Did you see sauce. the one where a guy you traded don't... his car for a packet of sauce? I did not see that. That, that, why would you do that? Kate? Yeah. It's, it's just sauce. I mean, you can probably make your own.
0: Yeah. Well, like, it's just such a, an interesting case study in the the you know how how helpful and healthy it usually is to distance a show from its fans there mm-hmm. are some really wonderful incredibly supportive and terrific fandoms out there i mean like we love the airbirds and there are you know there's plenty of really wonderful communities you can find uh, online around a common starting point or jumping off point of a particular like media project or like a film, a TV show, a book or anything like that. Um, But then there's also, you know, um, the, some of the Steven universe fans a while back, right. Pushing someone to commit suicide because of their fan art and, uh, uh, or telling them that they should. And, and that's such a beautiful, accepting, lovely show to have That level of toxic fandom for a show like Steven Universe is just, like, it boggles the mind. So having a show like Rick and Morty, which has at its heart, I saw someone compare it to The Sopranos, where the central figure is not one that is meant to be lauded in the show's really clear about that, but then you have yeah. a subset of the fandom that uh don't care, and are going to anyways, laud them anyways, right. uh f- through over-identification, and this, like, wish fulfillment, and everything. Oh, and they also, I also saw people comparing with Scott Pilgrim the same things. like, he's not supposed to be, a, like, a hero <laughs> you know, in that one. He's got a lot of growing up to do. Um, it's Rick and Morty the same thing. It's not surprising, then, that that is the subset of fans who just, like, went nuts over the Szechuan sauce thing. Like, the level, yes, McDonald's bungled it, but the level of entitlement around this stuff is just insane. Well,
1: I I, I don't want to put a lot of this on McDonald's because why would they expect this?
0: Well, I mean, like, there's things you can do. Like, for example, as soon as you run out, go with the, go around the building and tell all the people in line, "Hey, we ran out." Or yeah. when you know that there's like a line out the door and you've got 20 packets of sauce, yeah. tell the lines like, "I'm so sorry, guys. We did not anticipate this. Don't spend hours in line." You know, like there are things you could do like that are not asking too much, you know. But like this again, for me what's just insane is this like I'm going to boycott McDonald's forever because they didn't anticipate that a very niche show would have this strong of a cult following. Like, okay, you do you. But when you're sending like, like, like there was a video of some, some guy jumped up on a counter and started demanding Szechuan sauce and then like pulled his hat, his shirt over his head and flopped on the ground and was Pickle Rick. And then ran out the door in character, like and and there's like one or two other people who know what this guy is doing because they're also Rick and Morty fans, and the rest of the store is like very concerned that this is an insane person who could hurt them or attack them. Um, It's just like very extreme, uh, very (laughs) unhealthy level of. yeah, again, I just I can't help but keep come back to entitlement. The yeah. sense that you are deserve an our uh, like it's one because we there was that was the response some people had to like the the outcry over barrier gaze last year. Oh, these are fans who think they deserve to say how the show gets written. That kind of thing. For me this is completely different. This is a completely different sphere because this is a promotion at a store this was right. sauce at McDonald's this is not are you seeing representations of yourself constantly killed on TV um yeah. but yeah it's just like this this level of I get everything that I want and they're doing this cool thing and not oh it's Sucks that they didn't do a better job handling it, and I, I you know, I took off of work because I was so psyched about this thing. Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy, but you know, that's what I wanted to do. It's, it's, you know, let's have a class action lawsuit <laughs> against McDonald's. I mean, I don't. Know. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I just. It's one of those things where I'm not so invested in this kind of stuff that I get really frustrated. I think, like, the closest I can sort of be comparable is the fact I was trying to get tickets for um, the Adventure Zone. Mm -hmm. uh, Because they were going to do a live show in Tacoma. And the site just kept crashing because the site was not prepared for that level of wow, they've done one maybe Pacific Northwest show ever. Mm-hmm. So, of course, everyone is wanting to go to this. And so, like, trying to do it was just impossible. And it was frustrating, but it wasn't like, I'm going to go down to Tacoma. I'm going to be very angry at the volunteers that work at this theater. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not how this works. I'm not entitled to tickets. I am I was going to pay a great deal of money for tickets for a number of people that would pay me back because mm-hmm. that's how serious things were um but it was also just like well if you can't get tickets you can't get tickets and your life goes on you can just listen to it for free later um so yeah i I, i've never really gotten that sort of thing even to the point of like something semi-related to this is just like nintendo's inability to produce enough snes or nes classics Mm -hmm. and go sorry guys and it's just like but you all know people want this (laughs) And you don't make enough. But I I feel like in this case, it's just such a small subset that it's just who'd expect that kind of a response? Yeah. And then I just feel really bad for employees that are not paid enough to deal with this kind of a thing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. Anybody working minimum wage uh, or, you know, slightly above uh, many of these employees would be. Yeah. Not getting compensated enough. That And the other thing is that, no. this, of course, this is not all Rick and Morty fans. Hashtag not all Rick and Morty fans. Like, because I would never have this response. Plenty of, of other TV fans and TV critics I know uh, really respect the show and appreciate it and enjoy it. And hey, they would take some Szechuan sauce, but they're not going to be belligerent and aggressive and mean towards people for it. The
1: creator of the show, Dan Harmon, was just like, guys, guys. Yeah. Just back up.
0: Back up. Like what do you do here. when <laughs> you've got this really unfortunate subset of your fan base who like they're supporting you? They're part of why you have a job, yeah, but they're also completely missing the point, and they see it, in a character like Rick someone to be like modeled after and someone to uh be lauded and uh to be to aspire to be when the whole point of the show is that he's terrible. And that no I mean, one like what do you do?
1: <laughs> if you're Dan Harmon, then you just do an episode about this.
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> And
1: just lay into people.
0: They kinda have. You know a yeah. little bit, you know, like they kinda have. And they that subset the fandom like it's again, it's it's very much like the Tony Soprano thing. Anybody yeah. who thinks that the Sopranos makes gangsters look cool doesn't want. he talks to a duck. Does not doesn't, doesn't want to think <laughs> that they aren't. So, you know, there's only so much you're going to do on that. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I w- wanted to mention that a little bit. Also, just I guess tip of the hat to the conversation around sexual abuse. Um that's been happening this past week with the uh the scandal around uh, Harvey Weinstein and um today as we're recording was the women boycott Twitter day. Um, because Twitter shut down Rose McGowan's uh, Twitter feed for breaking their rules, but she did nothing that other people have not done before, and those people weren't banned. Um, so uh, that's what's happening today. Uh, also happening today on Twitter um, was a really like the the, re- the most interesting thing about that for me has been the idea is great, but also the response to it of okay, then where were where was all this outrage? Where was all this, how dare you silence when Jamel Hill was getting suspended from ESPN for daring to express personal opinions on her Twitter. Um, yeah. And, and this, again, this conflict within feminism about white feminists being blind to women of color and, and their struggles and their needs. Or, or also there are some in some places where people have been, like calling out why aren't there more women of color who are speaking out against their uh, attackers, you know, cause it's been majority white women who have come forward. And the notion that anyone owes you their stories of abuse is so insane to me. Um, So, so I wanted to mention that that is all currently boiling, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get more, um more people in authority um who, you know, when, when, there are survivors of, of, of assault and, and victims of sexual harassment who feel able to speak about it, um, then hopefully that is something that more people can be encouraged to do if they're comfortable with it and we can get some more people fired. That's the most encouraging thing about this. Harvey Weinstein lost his job. And will he make a comeback in the industry? I am almost confident he will. It'll just be a matter of how long it'll take. But at least for now, he's fired. Um, I would love to see that turned into a role of different executives, um, getting what, you know, what's coming to them, but that, you know, we'll see what happens with it. Um, one of the executives at Amazon has been programming. Yeah. Has been, um, suspended, uh, you know, pending an investigation. Um, and we'll see, I feel like this is the kind of thing that's going to take a while to roll out, but I'm watching different people share their stories of being assaulted, um, in Hollywood was was really um, something to see the last few days. Uh, I want to specifically mention Terry Cruz. I thought it was amazing that he s- stepped up and spoke out about this, because not only as, as a man, but as a man of color, to feel comfortable talking about this or, or be willing to share that. I know that that is we've seen that prompt several other people to come forward and say like no it's not just a gender issue it's it's a power issue there's all these different things tied up together um and the more it seems to me the more that we're talking about this the better um do you have any thoughts
1: the, the more we talk about it the better it is in part because it just exposes a lot of things that are treated as quote-unquote open secrets um yeah. Within an industry, which has largely been the case with Weinstein for decades now. And so exploiting it, bringing it out into the open, and having publications willing to publish these stories as well is significant. Um, and that makes a huge difference uh, in terms of what we acknowledge, how we acknowledge it. And then we have discussions about how to do all of that. And those conversations are understandably fraught and messy. And, like, I find the women boycott Twitter just to be sort of, just inane. (laughs) Um, understandable, but inane. Um, Mm -hmm. in what it's aiming to do and the timing of how it's supposed to work. Um, I didn't tweet a lot today, but that's mainly because I was just really busy (laughs) today (laughs) at work. Um, So that's sort of where I land on it. It's just like, it's a very nice sentiment, but I'm not entirely convinced that the sentiment was... It just, it feels overly convenient. Mm -hmm. And um, that we're doing it now, as opposed to not even like with Jamel Hill, but like with Leslie Jones. And we can go back a little further, and we can go back further to just pick a Gamergate incident and go, well, we didn't do anything then either. But it's really just sort of straw that... um, broke camel's backs but it's like oh but it was a nice white lady straw that did that Mm -hmm. that's nice okay so that's sort of how i feel but uh, the overall conversation that's starting from it is i think even from this discussion about well silence is maybe not the best answer in this particular situation since silence is what resulted in this happening for so long is one of those things where you we start discussing strategy and tactics and yeah. the best way to do that and that's a good conversation to have um, and hopefully it's one that's that leads to productivity and leads to a way of combating um, this sort of behavior
0: yeah there was that list that um different journalists put together of men uh, that was basically a list of 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 men who had or people who had assaulted various um mm-hmm. sur- uh, survivors of assault. Um, and that, that had been shared amongst peers, female uh, colleagues in, in media, yeah, yeah, yeah. people found out about, and then it got shut down. It's like, nobody said that this was a list that was going to the police. The fact that people are criticized for not coming out and then they're criticized for, because they should warn other people they should speak about their accused their abusers so that they can protect f- future um victims and then they're attacked for putting together a who to avoid list or huh. a you're not alone list um, at the same time it's just like it's it just hurts my brain no it hurts my brain so much um and i also think it's really easy for the various issues within this to to kind of get muddled not unlike you know what's going what has gone on for some people with the protests in the nfl it's like it's right. not protesting the flag is not protesting donald trump though i'm sure there's probably a nice little overlap in the Venn this diagram. point there is now <laughs> but yeah but it's like what this is intended began as a protest of police brutality um and racism systemic racism uh here it's like are we boycotting twitter because of the way twitter has acted are we boycotting twitter because sexual assault is bad (laughs) like what like where is this all going but um yeah certainly it's been a encouraging thing to see and i hope it keeps going and i hope more names get out there and more of the open secrets in Hollywood get widened out to other segments. Like, one of the ones that's been hinted at a lot in the past few days has been Oliver Stone. Yeah. I'm glad that I know that apparently Oliver Stone is a massive creep. Because now I'm less likely to give him my money.
1: Um, and yeah, and you you wouldn't have been likely to give him your money anyway. His movies aren't really that good.
0: But the they point... Been. yeah. The point being, you know... Yeah. Before I knew uh, about the way Tom Cruise takes advantage of slave labor to make his life better, um, courtesy of Scientology, allegedly, um, I went to a bunch of Tom Cruise movies. Now I don't. Yeah. And so I like to be able to make, you know, like I don't go see Woody Allen things. Like I like to be able to make an informed decision on that stuff. And there's a question as to separating the art and the artists and all these different issues. But like, it would, I would feel. It would be nice to to know uh, so, some of the open secrets because I didn't. I it's an open secret in Hollywood. Obviously, we are a long way from Hollywood, but we also follow a lot of the stuff closely. And I didn't know about this at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of people. I think some. I think some people in the industry would be shocked at how closed those open secrets are. As soon as you get like yeah, outside of that sphere, outside of that bubble, so anyways we've talked about this I you, we have I have talked you barely talked <laughs> I appreciate your restraint all um I've talked about this too long we've got a lot of TV to talk about this week so we should probably get into it
1: we should yeah uh, but it's a it's a balanced week as opposed to how sort of unbalanced we've been in the past for the past couple of weeks
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I no it's impressive like like we start with this mess we're like mm, don't really have much to say about me like Deleted, deleted half the list and we have a very balanced show to give you guys this week um at the, our segment at the end we're going to be uh, drilling down on all the cw superhero premieres so supergirl flash legends of tomorrow and arrow and just kind of spotlighting all of those talking about them individually but then also you know how is this fall looking for superhero shows on the cw um but before that we gotta uh, kick off with our weekend tv so we'll take a break listen to some duckworth and come back with our weekend comedy One glance. I just wanna see you dance, girl. I just wanna, yeah. I just wanna shine like Mike. Hey. I might moonwalk on sight. Huh. I just wanna ride my bike. And if you don't mind, we can ride all night. Say, say, I just wanna art school chick. Got really like four prince I just wanna, just, boyfriend, cheese and was Duckworth with the song that he performed on the series premiere of The Rundown with Robin Thede. Um, and that's going to be what kicks off our, our week in comedy this week. Then we'll have uh, Better Things. Uh, Phil... And Curbing Enthusiasm, The Pickle Gambit, followed by Brooklyn Nine-Nine Kicks, Blackish, Mother Nature, and we'll round things out with Broad City Mushrooms. So first up is the rundown with Robin Thede. Now, this is one that we have definitely been looking forward to for a while. I know I certainly have a um, big fan of Robin Thede from her, um, her time on The Nightly Show, which is where I was introduced to her. Um, how do you feel she did with this one? Like, where does this rank for you amongst the other recent additions to Late Night?
1: Uh, it's fine ish um i like Thede and i like a lot of the jokes that they're writing everything just it's the first episode for a late night show and i think that really comes through a lot with like delivery um timing of how the audience is responding to some of these jokes and just the rhythm of the show i think is like ready to like be massaged and they can go back and figure some stuff out. But I think the content is really solid. I think the jokes are really solid. And I think as soon as Thede gets a little more comfortable, like doing teleprompter cue cards type of stuff or whatever she's doing to deliver stuff, because the delivery is sort of like stilted and I know she can like do more and better with this kind of a thing Um, that I'm just chalking a lot of this up to like first week jitters and that, There's clearly a really good show here um, in terms of the perspective and the point of view uh, from either the jokes that are being told in sort of the quick hit function uh, format, I should say, to the skit with uh, the uh, African-American man wearing the Trump-Pence t-shirt and not being a deal breaker in any way, shape, or form, but being married. Oh, gosh, guys, no, can't do that. So, like, the degrees of humor here are really, really good, so it's just a matter of flushing 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 everything out. And I think that that will hopefully happen really, really quickly. Uh, how did this work? How did the rundown work for you? I thought it was much better than that. Uh, I thought
0: that okay. the Thede, yeah, there, you can see in, I think it's like the third act of it, the third, like, chunk of mm-hmm. it, she's more relaxed and yeah. she's much more... Um, Comfortable, like she, I think she, I think she's good through the whole thing. I thought she was actually Mm -hmm. terrific. And comparing her to like, the first outing for Larry Wilmore on the Nightly Show, much rougher. Um, Though I was, you know, fan of that right away. But she, for me, she's really comfortable in front of the camera in a way that even like the different late night Shows like, like Stephen Colbert and like all the different guys that are, that are on network late night, late, late night took a while to get to. She's already there. And I think it's because she has that experience from the nightly show working with a very similar format as, as far as the, it being about the, the, politics like very up-to-date politics in front of that that kind of a crowd um mm-hmm. and being being the head writer over there and being on like on the panel frequently with that i think and of course her background in in improv and stand-up comedy right. that that makes uh, I, sh- I say stand-up i think stand-up. i know improv I think yeah. also stand up, but I'm not sure. Anyway, she's got yeah, a background. I don't know. <laughs> she's got a background in 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 live comedy, and so uh, she's just really comfortable in front of the camera. There, you can see her. For, so for me, it's not that she's stilted or she has, um, she she's like uncomfortable in the earlier parts. Just she's even more comfortable by the, the third or fourth segment of the show. Uh, the, the Bodega musical number, uh, I think, is a cool idea. Yeah. They have to work out some of the kinks. Um, you can see Thede, like, pulling that audience to come yeah. with her. No, and please don't leave. Sign this waiver and do not leave. She's, like, working really hard to get people. Like, you pan to the crowd, and like everybody's kind of moving a little bit, and she's like just dancing aggressively to be like, we're having fun, right guys? We're having fun. Um, you guys just came in here for some milk. Yeah. So just like, stay. <laughs> that was a, like, a like, I, there's a little try hard there. And like, I appreciate what they're doing with that. And I, I have a feeling that again, that's one of those things, like you said, early show jitters that they'll work yeah. out the kinks. So they'll get better, a little bit better with that. Um, and I think, uh, apparently this is a less, uh, prominent, uh, like musical performer i mean i don't know anything about popular music i think
1: he's only done like i think he's only released an album and i don't know how like popular it was this is well outside my sphere of knowledge yeah but he has just duckworth's only released one album i think so far
0: yeah so if it was someone and it's it's an interesting choice based on that because they could have gotten a much bigger name and then people probably would have been like gone with it more yeah Um, but I, so it's interesting that they chose not to do that. Um, but it also is, I think a good sign for sustainability because you're going to run out of names pretty quickly. So we'll see how that goes, but I I like the idea of it and hopefully that's something that they can, you know, smooth the edges out. And as for the overall structure being like, so it's very similar to full frontal, except that you don't have the long pieces. It's, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a sports center kind of. Right, and that's what news. it's
1: mimicking and a lot, even having this stuff up on the screen. Um, it's very I forget what that it's not Sports Center, but there's another one that's like that mm-hmm. where they have like the topics on the screen and you just run through them. Uh it feels also like a lot like um Myers's monologues where it's just like, here's one thing, here's the joke, here's the other thing, here's the joke, and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Yeah. Um, just hers have better graphics. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also loved her suit. It was fabulous. Her suit was very nice. Yeah, no, it was very, very
0: nice. Definitely add that to the lady suit watch, you know, for (laughs) Emma and others out there. Um, Anything else on on Rundown? You're going to be tuning in next week? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to watching it grow. Um, Better Things had a Phil centered episode um mm-hmm. which is of course sam's mother and we keep it spoiler free because now you haven't had a chance to watch it yet but i thought it was a really terrific episode they, they kind of split the episode between phil and sam first half second half and uh they it, it, they do a really good job the performances are terrific and it just like it this episode really hit me with um adlon's performance they introduced her brother um okay. As well, just over the phone, but um, but it really I thought was very well handled and like measured and adjusted like the layers of it and, and how strongly she's going to respond and in what ways to the things that are going on. Um, the tr- the only trouble I say that this episode has is that every show that has like the the main character's mother gets their own like standalone episode. In my uh-huh. brain ends up getting compared to enlightened. Consider Helen, sure, and like and that makes sense. I think. Yeah, it's just, and then they're all going to suffer in comparison because <laughs> Consider Helen is so amazing. This yep. is also very, very good, and I appreciated that they pivoted partway through the episode um, okay. to change perspective. But, um, but it was, it was, yeah, it was really very interesting and uh, a strong episode. And people should check it out if they have not yet. Um. Let's go to Kirby Enthusiasm and the Pickle Game. But I liked this episode so much more than last week's premiere. I you might, yeah, I was laughing so much, and those were definitely Pepper Pepper Charm cookies. Like a hundred percent,
1: they were very much Pepper Charm cookies. But here's the thing: Pepper Charm cookies are delicious. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. But
0: those are delicious cookies. Just don't claim you had... I'm, I'm so with Larry yeah. on this. Just don't claim you have a pastry chef. Just, like, own the pepper, pepper chard and cookies. It's a funny thing to say because of the peas. Yeah. um, And yeah. and the I love... Like, Jim Rash is so good in that. As the he concierge. Is. Like, he's so good. Um, And then the wig and mush Like, the disguise they have for Larry also does a lot of the heavy lifting, too. And, like, and like the, the outfit and everything. And the whole dance buck dancer rash's like reaction to that was also just delightful so like yeah the it was it was really funny parts of the episode worked more than others so i I have a feeling like you'd said this is this might be like a hit and miss situation for me but the stuff that hit in this episode hit so much harder i'm like this was literally the last thing i watched before we recorded okay i'm so glad that i that i decided to actually watch it because it was really funny
1: no, i'm 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 glad to hear that. I figured like everything involving the cookie in the hotel would probably land pretty well, and then that the rest of it was just gonna sort of like meh, maybe work, which I think is sort of how even I felt about it as much as um, I appreciate like the r- Ted dance has always been sort of a vaguely antagonistic force on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, i
0: love that sentence
1: yeah and then he no, applies he's to always two like, shows <laughs> yeah he's always vaguely antagonistic on curb your enthusiasm is like my best recollection is that ted danson's just kind of him and larry just don't get along and i i like that because ted danson's just very charming <laughs> and so this whole play about him wanting to date cheryl and mary steenburgen going no you're not really my type and then just like watching that kind of collapse is enjoyable um even though i yeah no so it's just it's it it was really, i i enjoyed this one much more than the first episode um even if it does fall into the same sort of um pattern of trying to tie everything back together which is normally something curb had and to a greater extent Seinfeld does really well. This episode does a better job of that than like the premiere. Premiere does in which he's just giving dressing advice to a uh, prostitute that works at the hotel and just like, it works really well, but then it all sorts of like interrupts his security dealing with the fatwa and just like, it doesn't really come together in a way that makes a great deal of sense because I kept wondering why we were having sex in Larry's house, mm-hmm. as opposed to Funk Funkhauser's um place, yeah. And I just I got really confused there for a moment, but okay, I'll roll with it, <laughs> I guess. But it's 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 still good, and it's still it it feels much more of what I'm used to from Curb than I think um, last week's episode demonstrated.
0: Yeah, the relatability of like he he knows he wants to chase after Ted and Cheryl, yeah. But he can't resist the pickle jar, and he set it up himself as the distraction because yeah. no one would be able to. Resi- I love that it—it's it, just it's so it's so satisfying, and it's the kind of thing if you're a similar personality to me at least that like you can yeah. so identify with. Like maybe it's not a pickle jar for you, but you know those things that just bait you, and you yeah. should rise above, but you never do. <laughs> you just shoot yourself in the foot again. Yeah. And it's
1: very good because literally everyone in that hotel immediately stands up in that lobby and just goes, I can help. And it's just like four guys just stand up all at once and mm-hmm. move forward really quickly. And it's just like, this is very good. This is very
0: good. Yeah. And I also must say that I agree with Mr. David. Tongs are not the friend of the cookie and you know i have strong ah, feelings ah, on cookies ah, so like i know yeah this whole it, yeah it was it was a so, very so, kate episode
1: so, so, so you just get a napkin then like how do you handle that situation then kate if you're not going to use the tongs what do you do
0: well like you've seen my my christmas cookies they they're yeah. shipped to you in individual baggies
1: <laughs> yeah i know but i'm saying you're in
0: public and you're in there's public. a whole oh, yeah cookie no. spread
1: what do you do kate i
0: i if i grab a cookie that i can get without tongs without touching any of the cookies Okay. And I don't. I don't go for that one cookie that's a little bigger than the other. Like, if you're gonna do that, you have to use the tongs. If you want to yeah. not use the tongs, then you have to take. You have to see which one you can jenga without like touching anything else. And if you're if you can't, then you just gotta use the tongs and deal with it.
1: Why don't you just grab a cocktail napkin and just pick it up with the napkin? That's weird.
0: You could. But it's weird. Why is that weird? It's, 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 like, because they've already presented, like, I love how this are totally getting sucked in. It's our own pickle jar. Because they've already presented the means for, the socially acceptable means to grab a cookie without affecting the other cookies, and yeah. it, to subvert that with a different means is just, like, it's, it's, it's like, come on, you're too, you're, you're too good to just use the tongs like everybody else, like, the tongs aren't good enough for you, like, yeah, I'm just feeling very Larry David right now. <laughs> but clearly
1: the but clearly the tongs aren't good enough for you because you're just like, I'll just use my finger, it's fine. I'll just use just like, my put, fingers
0: and not touch any yeah. of the other ones. Yeah, but you can't guarantee that though. Yes I can. Or I don't no, take you... the cookie or I use the tongs. <laughs> like if there's one on top, you know, yeah. like the like the ring of cookies has already been broken. So there's yeah. one at like right on the top, I'll just take that one. Okay. And if there's not, then you have to use the tongs. It's how it works. But there are napkins right there. Yeah, there are, but if if it's literally the top, okay, we need to move on. We need <laughs> to move on. Okay, listeners, let us know where you fall on the great cookie debate. Um, but let's move on to Brooklyn Nine Nine and Kicks. Um, how did our reset sort of episode work for you?
1: I liked this episode a lot, in part because um, it addressed um, how coming back was going to be an issue for both Rosa and Peralta. And I thought that was really important for the show to demonstrate, but also for the show to continue to reinforce, as it's been doing across these three episodes, is that prison is deeply unpleasant. Even if we're sort of making jokes about crunchy ramen soup, it's not a pleasant place to go to. And the emphasis on even if it's like Played for laughs, the fact that Jake recognizes the fact that he needs to process some stuff some more over the next couple of weeks and to rejigger his brain a little bit, I think is really a significant thing for the show to do and acknowledge. And they've been doing that really well this season so far with like addressing issues of prison life, even if it's been in sort of a sideways sort of way. I, I think that this demonstrates a commitment to that and i think that's really important and i've really appreciated them doing that the rest of the stuff with like uh rosa um going after uh, pimento over flan you have to you have to follow the flan is is really good It, it was very funny and i i like how it all like resolved and played out um but the Jake stuff, I think, just hit really well. And I really appreciated the show is keeping that thread going. Uh, how did you feel about the episode?
0: Yeah, it was it was uh, a strong reset, I thought. The um, stuff with uh, Pimento really surprised me, if only because Manzucas is so fun in that role. And we've talked about how I prefer Manzucas when he actually gets a character to play. But like right. this is so far on the other end of that that it comes back around. And I think the dynamic with... Uh, with with pimento and with Gina like sorry Rosa keep with Rosa uh keeps just like they balance each other in such a specific way that is really nice yeah. um they're really nice together um however I do appreciate the show acknowledging we can't just keep doing this forever we can't, can't just keep escalating the way that they have for example with Andre Browers and like how they just keep giving uh just more and more insane things for the captain um to the point where they've they've swansoned it, you know, that or yeah. Urkel in the past, you know. Uh they didn't want to do that here. And so I think that, that is it was a responsible decision. I just wonder what's gonna happen next. Like what why break them up unless they have a plan to do something else? Because they could just yeah. have Pimento stay off screen. Yeah. So I'm curious what this is gonna lead to. Um for Jake, I absolutely agree. I liked that they saved that for the end but that it like it's a clear through line once you know where it's heading mm-hmm. um but they save that for the very end and and let it be this like just little sort of button to what he was doing in this episode his actions in the episode and like you i hope that's something that they maintain for a few weeks and um mm-hmm. like kind of check in on uh, i think that it could have like a different show would have hit it a lot harder you know yeah. Would have had like a very important moment, you know, and here they just, ha- it's treated very matter of fact. And I think that that works well for the tone of the show and also for the character. So we'll see where that goes. I would like some more payoff to it. Yeah, sure. I don't know how they're going to work it in though. Do you have any thoughts on what they're going to do next with, uh, with Rosa or with Pimenta?
1: Uh, no, um, because they already kind of, like, did the pimento as sort of a crazy wild card sort mm-hmm. of factor when they first introduced him. And so they really can't go back to that well again. And it'd be weird if he came back as, like, a criminal. Yeah. Because that doesn't really make sense for him. um yeah. Outside of, like, his being in too deep undercover sort of thing, which, again, they've already done. So I don't know that there's anything that they can do aside from an episode in which he tries to woo her back and mm-hmm. just delightfully bizarre ways that only make sense to the two of them Mm -hmm. and everyone else is just deeply disturbed by it uh which i could see working as a b-plot for like next week's episode if they wanted to do something like that
0: yeah but why why break i mean like the reason they break them up not for Pimenta, but for rosa so like yeah any thoughts on on why they want rosa to be single again um
1: see you think about it like being rosa i think about it just like manzoukas maybe not being available and yeah. that's sort of like where my brain went is like, Menzukis isn't going to be available, or they have like another guest star lined up that they were wanting
0: to explore a different dynamic with. I guess i was just like yeah. they could just keep him in. Where was he? Argentina. Yeah, they could have. They could have. Anyways, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what they do next. Um, yeah. let's talk about Blackish and Mother Nature and uh, them choosing to do a post depression episode, uh, very specifically tailored. Like I, I really appreciated that they. That they brought up that like this is not just a thing that happens to first time moms, right? Um, because I feel like usually when we see this storyline, it is with new mo- like first time parents, first time mothers. Yeah. Um, like, how did j- how did this episode work for you? And what did you think of that choice? I, I really liked this episode
1: overall. Um, I like the decision to do a postpartum episode and address it fairly head on. Uh, I wasn't crazy about how it was still grounded very much in Dre's perspective of what was going on, as opposed to giving Bo a little more like agency within a story that's ostensibly about her. Um, as opposed to they're just showing her responding to a quiz and then responding to a therapist. And I just, I just wanted like more of an acknowledgement of how she was feeling about everything through the course of the episode as opposed to a couple scenes it felt like a moment in which beau would be much more of the engine as opposed to dre trying to sort things out but it still propelled a lot of good stuff um that had been building up particularly with ruby and so i can't get like too upset about it because this the stuff with ruby is something that's been like Boiling since ever since Ruby appeared, and so having it pay off here with something that basically crosses a line of right—you've been you've been nagging my mother my mothering skills for seasons now, and now you're doing it again at a time when I'm clearly not okay. This is not okay, and so I appreciated the, how that eventually was played out, and I really liked that. Um. Everything with the kids I thought was pretty funny, um, from Diane's thank you cards, particularly to, um, now I have your home address. Now I have your address.
0: <laughs> this is the last
1: mistake you'll ever make. She's like, oh, she's so good. She's so good. Um, to <laughs> Junior just wandering around shirtless with the baby.
0: Um, he keeps trying to latch, and he's <laughs> Well, and that was such as that was so sweet though, and it was such a perfectly yeah. junior thing. Yes,
1: it's the thing. It's just like it's perfectly junior, which is why it was very funny.
0: Yeah, I don't know that they n- nailed the Zoe thing. I didn't no. quite. I didn't buy that, but I no. did buy all the other kids. <laughs> and yeah. I also love Jack being like everything's been totally normal as his mother's yeah. sobbing and he's just like woohoo dancing around. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, Jack. That is that is what Jack would would notice. Um, for me with this episode, uh, I I I felt like I got enough of where Bo was at through the performances. Like, yeah. I, I I felt like I didn't need her POV for this one as much as I would always love more Rainbow and like more voiceover in, from Tracy Ellis Ross and everything. And like completely in her perspective for me, I didn't think we needed it from this episode because Ellis Ross's performance. Really, I think she told me everything just in sure. her delivery. Um, and also, I really like seeing an episode where it's like, we're doing the postpartum depression episode, everybody. And Andre, like, Dre knows what's going on, like, immediately. He knows what the deal is. And he, like, they can identify and they go in and they get, they meet with the doctor. And they, I love that things weren't immediately fine once. Yeah. They met with the doctor and got on a med. It didn't just like fix things like that because that's usually the way that this is portrayed in in comedies and in dramas. It's yeah. It's like you know, like once you get the the person to admit that they that that they're not okay and that they're having trouble connecting and that they need help, you know that something's not all right. That like naming it suddenly fixes everything and yeah. like. Just the first drug they try works great. You know, that's not how mental health works. No. Um, so I appreciated that part of it. And I don't think you would have gotten that if we had been from Rainbow's perspective. I-, I also agree that stuff with Ruby was my absolute favorite part of the episode. Uh, the, the the hard edge in Alice Ross's performance, like, as she when she's kicking Ruby out. And the fact that she does literally, like, she's in a hotel. Like, she's yeah. out. That worked really great. And I thought Fishburne was really fun with the through line of, like, not being able to get his booze. Um, Yeah. Any thoughts on on Fishburne?
1: No. He's just... It was just really funny for him. And I'm I'm really hoping that this is a season in which he isn't dipping in and out as much as he has been recently. Yeah. Because Pops is always such delight. Yeah. And I'm always excited when Fishburne's on screen just do a couple of quick things and it's always really good
0: yeah no it's pretty like we're pretty spoiled with who we get to have on our tv every week it's pretty amazing um okay let's move to our last episode of the weekend comedy and that is broad city mushrooms and this is i didn't know when i started that this was an all (laughs) animation episode (gasps) which i clearly was not paying attention to ads and, and things um how did this work for you um
1: i liked it okay um i liked the second half more than the first half um mm-hmm. in part because just that kind of drug inspired trippy animation style not really my thing um so i was really glad that we didn't spend the entire episode in it as much as i can acknowledge how really beautiful and gorgeous and uh, generally well animated it was um both from just a technical but also from an artistic standpoint it looks really really good but it was also one of those things where i was just sort of exhausted by it really quickly so i was glad when we transitioned to more of a mixed um mixed representation of it uh and also just the fact that a lot of that comedy towards the end wouldn't have worked in an animated style um particularly um alana's botched uh, threesome with a much older woman um <laughs> just the dream of everything happening all at once and nothing's working so I, I i that wouldn't have worked as well animated if it hadn't been mixed basically and i liked how that factored into like censoring private body parts and that kind of thing so it all it ended up working really well for me um even if the first half i was just like i'm ready i'm ready to transition out of this, and I was glad when we did because I keyed into the show a lot more. Uh, How
0: did it work for you? I thought that the there was a a lot of creativity with the animation that that worked very well. Um, Also, frankly, I didn't want to see the live-action version of them, like, just tripping on the shrooms, like, just being assholes in public and causing car accidents and, like, all of that, like, you know. It was a much more pleasant viewing experience when we got to see their perspective rather than the mayhem they were causing for no reason um the stuff at like i enjoyed the the macaron and like them freaking out for because of all the colors and everything like that was fun and and i agree that they switched perspectives at the right time they switched like animation to live action at the right time um i liked what we got with uh, alana like still you know having uh, issues like ar- around Lincoln and their breakup yes. and and him being in such a better, happier place than she is, theoretically, at least in her perspective, in her mind. Um, and uh, I was very glad that we did not see Abby kill the cat.
1: <laughs> right. I was really hoping that's not what I heard. Yeah. And then I was really upset that that's what we heard. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Because I was also just like, how did you do that
0: with the door? How well, hard did you close the door? Well, it, yeah, it, like, she killed someone's cat. Like, yeah, I don't even have a cat, and that is, like, hard. That's a difficult thing for me to get over. Yeah, And I feel like Abby gets over it way too easily. Yeah. Like, I expect Alana to get over that quicker. Than Abby yeah. and Abby seems like she's immediately well I mean she's still high at that point but like later at yeah. the end of the episode she does not right. seem like she's guilty at all and that no. didn't feel right to me
1: yeah no it doesn't feel right because that's something that would linger and it also makes me sad because she's lost that really nice job that she had and we were both yeah. very excited to see how that was going to play out and now she does not have that anymore and I'm I was just like well you had so many story opportunities with this and now we've closed them all down
0: well and Wanda Sykes I'm always going to want to see Wanda Sykes, so. Exactly. Why wouldn't you? So. (laughs) Indeed. Well, what wins your week in comedy? Um, let's see.
1: Um, I think I'll give it to Brooklyn Nine-Nine this week. Um, just for a generally solid episode, uh, that I felt was pretty darn good. Uh, what about you? What won your week?
0: I think I have to give it to Better Things. I Want to throw some love to Survivors Remorse, which is again, like I said, having a really terrific season. I don't have anything new to say about this yeah. episode, which is why I didn't bring it up. Other than, ugh, oh, we all can see what's going to happen, and I not look anytime they have a, a surefire financial deal that couldn't possibly go wrong. Like, oh, I'm sure something's about
1: oh, to go God. very wrong for them. Yeah. I've never seen the show before.
0: Yeah, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's so pay- like I kind of need that to work out just because they I, I don't have any perspective on how people who don't watch way too much television are responding to this you know I yeah. feel like is that just a me thing because I've seen way too much TV or is that just like is everybody going no obviously it's gonna tank like of course I feel
1: like if you're watching a stars program <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> You're yeah. willing to shut out the money necessary, <laughs> yeah. That you're you're watching enough TV that you know that this is going to go very poorly.
0: So I'm I'm very I'm very concerned about that one because I don't want bad things to happen to any of these characters. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was another really strong episode. Um, and then uh, honorable mention to the rundown with Robin Thede because it just I'm um, I, I there's a lot of potential there. I think I'm excited mm-hmm. by how confident the first episode is considering first episodes of any comedy tend to be terrible so yeah. you know let alone uh ones that are uh you know a, a completely new format for the people involved so um yeah that's that's what I'll give it to you i saw you know a bunch of things tie but better things i guess if i'd pick one um now we'll take a break listen to some more music and come back with our week in genre and drama
1: Fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. Fish heads, fish heads, moly-poly fish, fish heads, fish heads, fish heads, eat them up, yum. In the morning.
0: Week in genre drama, we're going to talk a bit about DuckTales, Terror of the Terrafermians! Then I'll mention Outlander, Freedom, and Whiskey. Uh, We'll talk a little Star Trek Discovery, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. <laughs> Noel is rolling his eyes uh everyone then we'll move on to queen sugar fruit of the flower and we'll round things up of course with halt and catch fire goodwill so first up is ducktales terror of the terraphemions um obviously catherine Tate very exciting um yes. but what how, how are you feeling about about this episode and where they're you know like it's, it's lena right yeah it's yeah, lena how, how, how are you like lena so far
1: um, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm 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 a little surprised that we we're we got a follow up to Lena like immediately after her introduction um in last week's episode with the Beagle Boy massacre, um but I appreciate it all the same. I sort of like that we're gonna have hopefully just like we're gonna get a conclusion to this in some way really quickly. As um, probably trying to get the aforementioned uh, lucky dime, since that's what Magic of Dispel is always after, is Scrooge's number one mat- number one dime. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see how that plays out, and I'm excited about that. Uh, from just a general storytelling perspective, the rest of this episode was just sort of okay overall for me. I enjoyed some of the action sequences, but like the la- the launch pad joke got very tired very quickly. And they couldn't really find, for me, a way to make it super interesting. Um, So that was sort of a struggle. But it just, it very much felt like the part two of what is hopefully a part part three-part storyline of, like, getting everything into order for a climax. So it was fun. And setting up, like, the Terrafermians will be fine as well um, for them to resurface. Resurface. Ah, See what I did there? I do Ah. see, Yeah. Uh, resurfaced at some point uh but yeah so it was a fine episode um just like it's probably the, the one i've liked the least so far but that's a really high bar because i've really liked all the
0: episodes <laughs> they've done so far uh so how did you feel about terror of the terror Vermians? um yeah it was fun it was it was nice and uh light and and there was i think a good structure to it i like the way that yes. they split everybody up again it made sense um they used the the dynamics well i liked the who is it one of the the triplets having the popcorn
1: i can't remember which
0: one's which yeah yeah like they're doing a good job like when i'm watching the episode i can follow it really well but as soon as i get away from it for a day or two i I, one of them has the popcorn and it's like just like what i refilled when i left (laughs) they encourage it yeah that was that was that was lovely um i agree that launchpad uh got didn't work as as much as I would have liked Uh, I thought I thought it was I mean the the writing everything was fine the trouble I have with 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 Launchpad is that I can see Beck Bennett in my head like on SNL when I'm watching it there's the whole cast is very famous you know comedians and actors who I've seen in a million things sure but this is the only like cuz i i can see him doing the voice cuz i've seen him i've heard him do that voice on snl before so i can mm-hmm. like see his face i don't see gotcha. tenet's face i don't see Mikuchi's face i don't see danny Pudi's face i see the characters you know yeah. but for for launchpad I, I i there's that extra layer i guess of doing a character that mm-hmm. is uh or maybe it's just a little bit too heightened. I don't yeah. know, but some- I think
1: heightened, especially in this case, is really accurate. It was a lot. It was a lot considering that we barely had any launchpad in five episodes. Really,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was a lot to just go. Yeah, he's really dumb, and it's just like, yeah, we all know launchpad's really dumb. But maybe you could have eased us into this <laughs> a little <laughs> bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I enjoy the character. In jo- like, I like what he brings to the group, and. Like I've <laughs> I've never crashed a train. This would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh but yeah, that that was taking me out of it more than I would have liked. Um I, I as someone not familiar with Magicka, not you know, like I don't remember that much about that character and everything. I enjoyed the little wrinkle of clearly Lena can also channel positive and like Good energy as well, and that chased away Magica. Lena may not know she's doing it, but I thought that 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 worked well. I also like the the twist at the end, which I actually think is a double twist in the mm-hmm. in the offing. Yeah. So like they're setting up a uh, plenty of fun, you know betrayals yes. and reveals and all that kind of thing and that's they're handling that well I think uh, yeah. I also was surprised as you said that they we immediately got a follow-up to this and if we bring in Magica in a big way in the next couple of episodes it will have, will have been Dime one week off no actually Dime Lena this Magicka for realsies and then like very directly I did not anticipate such a directly serialized approach yeah
1: no neither did I especially based on the first few episodes I thought we'd be setting up stuff a lot more and they've been like, no, we've got it. We've got an okay, consistent story that we can tell really simply. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't require like a lot of work. I mean, it's not like we're giving you guys Gizmo Duck immediately. <laughs> um, we still have Project Blatherskite to deal with, but we're not doing it right now. <laughs> and I, I think that's smart. I think that's a good, a good way of handling this while still doing fun character stuff.
0: Yeah. No, it was fun. It was, it was a, it was another entertaining episode certainly and yeah i'm enjoying it i I have to introduce some of my family members i think they they haven't checked it out yet so i think we have to sit them down and so we can watch um outlander freedom whiskey this week we had the uh long-awaited return of claire to the past and the gymnastics they have to do for her to (laughs) abandon her child in the future and who knows if she'll ever come back like her 18 year old child but child Like, yeah, that, that, they have to do a lot of contortions for us to try to buy that and not really negatively judge Claire. And the way they do that is having her daughter tell her, go, you need to go. And, and, and some of that was handled really well. Um, I was, I was impressed with the performance from the actor playing Claire's daughter, uh, Bree, um, I, I can the scenes with her and Katrina Balf worked much better here than they have for the rest of the run of, of that character for me. Um, and I'm very excited to see what comes next. Um, obviously, there's the much uh, anticipated from the fan base reunion scene. like oh, it's the print shop scene. wink, wink. Apparently it's very steamy. I don't know, but it's going to be an extra okay. long episode <laughs> when they, they took this week off, this coming week off, and then and then it'll be like an extra long episode um, for the the reunion episode. But um, just the the show's very aware of their age of the, this is twenty years later in their timeline mm-hmm. or eighteen, but you know whatever twenty years later. Right. The way that they're shooting Katrina Balfe is is very distinct, like the the use of makeup and the lighting instead of shooting angles and the and more glowy lighting to make her look more youthful they're letting a very like a more blue light as opposed to yellow on her face um there's several scenes of her like looking in the mirror and because she's she hasn't seen jamie for 20 years she's very concerned about will he still does he still love her will he even remember her and she's not you know she's not whatever age she's supposed to be in the first one like 22 23 or whatever in the first one um because he's already younger than her to start with so uh then having him see her and faint because he's got a bit of a dodgy heart or something you know it's a very like apparently that's what happens in the books here he just faints but like again being have that awareness of who are these people now 20 years later is the kind of thing that um it seems, as a non-book reader, it seems that the books are very aware of, and it, I trust Ron Moore as the showrunner to be very cognizant of as well. So I'm very intrigued to see what is going to happen next. It was a bit of um, <laughs> there's just they had to get her there they had to get her to the past in a way that would let you be okay with that decision, um, and while appreciating. How difficult it is. Um, I like that they did spend a significant amount of time establishing what she was sacrificing to go back. Like, because like she's got a colleague at the hospital. She's she's become a, a surgeon. She's gone through medical school. Like she's lived a, this whole life. Um, and they they make sure you really like her buddy at the at the hospital, and that you know, you know, like they they really make sure that you're invested in her life in her present. So that when she goes back, while we're glad she's finally back, there's more of a sense of what she is sacrificing. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think it'll be, you know, like, it took us a long time to get here, but I feel like it kind of needed to. So, anyways, wanted to mention it because of that. Uh let's move on to Star Trek Discovery. And uh, <laughs> they... Spoiler alert! They keep killing women of color. (laughs) What is with this? Why did they have to kill Tori? I guess because she was the character was really, really stupid.
1: Well, they wrote her to be very stupid. Like she's, why does she do that? I don't understand why she just lets the tardigrade out. There's no reason.
0: You can't have like they talked about this on Master of None. You can't have two women of color on the same show or it becomes the women of color show so clearly that's the philosophy
1: (laughs) right it aggressively feels like the show is apologizing for the fact that its lead is a woman of color yeah and they're just like well we need to we killed one already you know what we should do we should kill another one just to really reinforce it
0: yeah it's like no no this is not okay well and everybody else on the show is is white Or a Klingon. There's Saru, who's an alien, and they introduce Wilson Cruz, you know? Yeah. But, like, we don't know yet that that the head doctor guy, or head um, scientist guy is gay, which eventually we're going to, you know find that out. Spoiler
1: alert, everyone. Stamets is gay.
0: Yeah, they, they, well, they hype that a lot. They're very proud of themselves, which is good. It's long overdue. Don't get me wrong. But when, like, when the producers can't shut up about how groundbreaking the diversity on this show is, and they keep killing off their women of color, it's like, come on! Why don't you kill the adorable, bubbly uh, roommate? That would have had way more impact. She wouldn't have been stupid enough to open the door, because she wouldn't have listened to Sonequa Martin-Green. But, like, but still, like, we we never like it or care about. I'm just gonna keep calling her Tori, because it's the same actress who played Tori in Battle Stars. So like
1: her character's name is Landry.
0: Landry. Yeah. Okay, Landry is really stupid, and I don't feel bad that she's dead, and that's a failure of the writing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I feel bad just because it's just like a Sharma is a really good actor. Yeah. And she's stuck in this nothing role, and then it's just like, well, we're gonna kill you. I don't think she's good here. I think, like, they- Yeah, no, she's not. I trust that they act- they told her to act badly. (laughs) Right. No, she's not particularly good here, but I was excited about, like, the fact that Lorca seemed to have a sort of second-in-command that got him in a way that Saru does not approve of. And then it's just like, oh no, we're just kidding, guys. That conspiratorial thing that happened at the end of Context and King or whenever it happened. Yeah. Is just like No, no, never mind. We're not gonna do that. Never mind. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, but no, it's not fine because and these the both Context and King as well as um, hang on, let me say the entire thing. The butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Um is
0: <laughs> yeah i mean like it's don't get me wrong it's it's kind of fun for them to be going back to these like really over the top uh like original trek style titles that's fun yeah. but like really guys <laughs> yeah yeah um
1: it's just like what i sort of talked about in relation to michael in the first two episodes um is like every single character on this show is the antagonist of literally any other Star Trek episode in yep. which they get a stern talking to about following the directives of the Federation and why that's important. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, we're just getting Lorca going off about universal laws of for lackeys is something a character literally says. And I just went, <laughs> This is this is not going to go well for me on any level. And this is this is not Star Trek. It doesn't no. feel like Star Trek to me. And you just said no, so I'd really like sort of you to expand on that, because again, like we sort of discussed when we did, when we addressed the show a couple of weeks ago for our um, final segment, is like, how are you feeling about this as someone who, for whom Star Trek is a much bigger, like, property and part of, like, your media life than it is for me? Because I just go, this isn't Star Trek, and it's not good. Yeah. on a just another different level. But it doesn't feel like Star Trek to me. So how how are you feeling about this? No,
0: it doesn't feel like Star Trek. It feels like a show in space that has Klingons. Like that yeah. that's that's as close as it comes to feeling like Star Trek. And they say energized. But like other than that, it doesn't feel like Star Trek because a central tenet of Star Trek is this sense of of disco- like discovery and trying to meet New civilizations and, and come in like discover new things and be challenged by them and, and ask questions and together work to find answers. There's a sense of respect for life and a set the sense of morality and that gets challenged and it gets tested in a big way in Deep Space 9 and right. the, Deep Space 9 is like centrally all about that question of what do you do when there aren't easy answers when you when you have you know the 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 just like the conflict with Bajor and Cardassia like there's a lot of moral murkiness in Deep Space Nine, which is directly engaging with that. This is not doing that. (laughs) This is like, this is just, let's be a gritty serial, you know, in space and call it Star Trek. And the idea of a very different kind of captain, because each of the previous Trek shows was very centered around its captain, the captain of the ship or the captain of the station. And uh, the kind of person who gets promoted to that position has always been someone that was a moral center, um and then sometimes they uh, the bad admirals showed up all the time to make things <laughs> challenging and in, th- in this you have instead you have um you have a much darker and much more mysterious like irritatingly mysterious. they're just making him mysterious to make him mysterious, captain that you don't know if you can trust and and justify the means and then how does you know like that and you could argue thats much more realistic person to be in a position of authority, certainly in a time of war um, but that's not why I watch Star Trek um, and it's just sort of, and we're going to talk about Halt and Catch Fire here in a little bit, but it, it feels so much like the first season of Halt and Catch Fire where they're like, we're going to make a gritty anti-hero show about like brilliant but difficult men and this breaking new ground in technology and all this and then they realize, oh th- that's not interesting um, that's sort of how I feel about parts of, of this. And I'm also not at all interested in what's going on with the Klingons. So that does not God, help. they're so
1: boring. It's like aggressively boring.
0: The writing is boring. The plotting, yes. it's just very, it's very basic. Uh, um, yeah. just what's happening in that. And then you throw on top of that full face- prostheses that make it difficult to emote through and you throw in a language barrier and not an easy language barrier either because just the like it's very uh the the construction the the, the sound of the language um is not one designed to to have a lot of emotional nuance at least to human ears and so like when you're asking the actors to do that that's that's one challenge but then asking the next level of the audience to invest in like I can't imagine being those actors trying to like make something out of this and act through full prosth- prosthetics and in this this language uh and still get the the audience to care about you like we really don't and I don't know anyone who is engaged with the Klingon. and it's such a huge part of the, of these episodes like percentage wise it's way too much they they bet way too hard that we would care just because they were called Klingons.
1: Yeah. And I, I think your point about the ethics of it is, like, really comes through with Butcher's Knife, especially because it's just like, why is everyone sort of okay with hooking up this tardigrade as a supercomputer and just not letting it enjoy its mushroom forest, everyone? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no discussion really about it. Um, like Michael has some sort of like squishy, well, maybe we shouldn't do this and maybe we should respect it a bit more, but then they just drive home too much of like the whole concept of drawing parallels between the two of them, sort of of Mm -hmm. being used or being misunderstood for what they can do, but what they don't want to do, but they're driven into a corner and it's like, oh my God, I get it. Everyone, Mm -hmm. I get what we're doing here. But it's not interesting enough to carry anything, and you're not actually having any discussions amongst anyone about this, really. Yeah. Um, and it's really struggling, and it's really difficult, because you have a character who's clearly intended to be the one who has these conversations, and no one talks to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one really talks to Saru about anything, and Lorca's certainly not interested in Saru's perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And it's just—it's really troubling. And the whole ends justify the means thing, and Lorca's parent parent blank check to fight this war, however he wants. And I just go, why did we call this discovery and not war?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the We're not discovering anything. Star Trek at its center for me—it's many things, but one of the big thing, big things that it is is its people sitting around a table or standing next to consoles having long lengthy conversations about morality like yeah (laughs) like sitting in the in the conference room on on next gen or just like bickering with each other about morality or going down to the planet and telling them why their gods are wrong you know like you know or or it's voyager with with janeway and seven of nine discussing what conscience and what the self is, what identity and humanity is like yeah. that is the show. And yes, it's in space and yes, it's discovering new civilizations and it's finding out what makes humans human and versus a larger, uh, l- a universal like sense of life, you know, like, yes, it's all that as well, but you can take certain parts of, of, you know, what it is to be Trek um, to like those core unifying principles and leave other ones behind and still have it work if you have that interest in morality. Uh, I think, yeah. at least. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. And that's not what the show's doing, at least so far. We'll see what happens.
1: But I also just go, but Kate, it's so much harder to charge people $8 a month to have them watch people sit around in a console room and debate things. Except for the fact that then I go, but wait, that's what the good fight is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a much better show. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and also, I don't know that many people yeah. paying to watch Star Trek. People who are fans of Star Trek, they're not paying for Discovery. They're waiting for it to come out on DVD or to get the season, like to to get um, to, once to Amazon. Se- yeah, Amazon or Netflix or like, and once it's like uh, all well, finished. The good, fight,
1: the good fight's going to be on Amazon. And it's yeah. just like, but what are
0: you doing with this then guys? Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't know. I would be very interested in some sort of analysis as to how it's doing. I don't know that all access is going to let anybody know how it's doing. Oh,
1: never. But
0: ever, yeah, never. anyways. Okay, let's move on to Queen Sugar. This, this week's episode is Fruit of the Flower and um man that scene with Lorna and Nova. Oh, that was good. That was some Oh no. quality TV.
1: It's all I want to discuss is Lorna, Nova, and Violet and mm-hmm. just like how really how how much Laura has disrupted every Lorna, I should say, has disrupted everything in basically the span of two episodes. Yeah. And is now like fleeing the state <laughs> to go back on a boat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sharon sure. Lauren's uh Lawrence killed it. She was so good in right. that, like, scene just to, to Nova's back, you know, like, and, and Retina Wesley also in reacting the, like, that, just that whole, all, that, that whole cast was, they're all so terrific. Um, the, and how
1: Charlie's just sort of, like, sitting there slowly withdrawing a little bit. And, like, don't breathe,
0: don't disrupt. Yeah, yeah,
1: don't, I, I can't say anything, I don't want to do anything, I'm just going to sit here very quietly, because all of this needs to be hashed out, but I'm also, like, wanting to eat popcorn right now because... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, But no, no it,
1: it, it was really... It was it was just really powerful. And then having the follow-up, like, fairly quickly with Violet, with Vi, and with uh, Nova, and dealing, like, no, I, I'd like the truth now, please and thank you, <laughs> about how all of this was actually played out as opposed to what you felt played out. Mm-hmm and having it happen in a moment in which nova is attempting to help vi deal with her pain and then be like but we need to discuss this other pain real quick before you can go soak in the tub with this joint Mm -hmm. and it's just really good and this the the way that that's being balanced against two different sorts of impulses within that scene is just really lovely and why like i Tune into Queen Sugar, and also why I'm just like I can only watch one of these a week, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I feel you, feel you on that. Um, let, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, Ralph Angel, the worst. Oh God, the worst. Why? Why does he keep?
1: Oh, I know, I know
0: why, but
1: it's just so aggressively. It's getting a little aggressive at this point. How really terrible he is.
0: Like getting, like it was there, and then. Yeah. And then this episode, I've just been doing
1: it week after week right now. Yeah, and it's just it's a little much. And we say week after week, we should say episode after episode because it's only been two weeks.
0: Yeah, no, like, and I get like he's where he's coming from is very authentic, and like mm-hmm. this as as someone who's always struggled in school and like in just like even showing up in that room is putting himself out there in a really big way that yes that you know like the other people don't necessarily understand or appreciate like so I get it, I get it, but it's just so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It's really... It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um okay. Um fibromyalgia. Think that's the answer?
1: Seems likely, but I also feel like fibromyalgia is really difficult to diagnose. Um is like my read on that is is that it's just kind of difficult to diagnose. Um, so if they're going to pivot to something else, but use fibromyalgia as sort of a stopgap, I'm kind of iffy on that as a thing. I'd rather them just go, all right, well, we thought it was fibromyalgia, but it was actually this as opposed to going, it is fibromyalgia, but it's actually this, I think is something I'm not going to be okay with. So either very quickly go to something else or commit to this. Does fibromyalgia make your hair fall out? That I don't know. I know it's like a chronic pain issue. Yeah. That's really difficult to manage. Um, As for the pain, as for the hair, that I do not have an answer for.
0: Yeah. That's my only question mark about it. Yeah. Um, I appreciate, like, I'm glad that we got finally where we were going with Hollywood. And like, why, like with Landry showing up a couple episodes ago, like in the yeah. premiere or mid season premiere, I should say. And then his, his friend, like the, I thought that they were playing that too strong. I was like, Oh, is this guy been like hired by Landry to cozy up to him? And like yeah. all this stuff, like I was like, trying to figure out why it's like, no, he's just there to be a friend and to add tension with Vi. Cause he's not going to want to leave the job, but he has to, because of these you know connections and commitments. Um, So I'm glad that we got where we were going with that, that, that stuff hasn't landed as well for me. Sure. Um, so we'll see what comes next, but I like that again, we, like, if we're going to spend time with him on the job, I, there's gotta be more than one guy he works with.
1: <laughs> there does. Uh, but it, it's also nice that it, because we've basically gotten three episodes in two weeks, it all got expedited really quickly, which yeah. I think makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. Any other thoughts on Queen Sugar or Hold and Catch Fire?
1: I just want to talk about Queen Sugar for the rest of the, rest of the episode, because, I don't want to talk about Halt and Catch Fire, Kate. I, I don't feel like crying. But, 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 but mommy and mommy talked about their feelings. They did.
0: And they miss each other. Because we miss them care. too. Yeah. No, it was not, lovely. It I'm was absolutely crying, lovely. Kate. Yeah.
1: No, it was really <laughs> Yeah. I'm laughing to stop the tears. <laughs> if you
0: had told me at this begin- at the beginning of the season that by the end of the season, I would be both rooting for and also really rooting against Cam and Joe splitting up, because they're terrific right? together, but he wants kids and she doesn't want kids, and so, like, I want them to be good with each other and this happy, but also both get what they want, which means they can't be together, so, like, I'm so torn.
1: It's it's delightfully it's delightfully difficult and I'm really excited about how the show has managed to pull that off. Yeah. Um and how especially when you're watching since it, this episode in particular sort of emphasizes how really good they are with um Haley and Joanie, yeah, respectively is just it makes it really difficult but it also sort of goes to the idea of Like, you can find fulfillment within both of these teens that you know and are in your life, provided Donna allows that (laughs) to continue. Um, There's there's really good stuff there for them to, like, find within their lives, basically. And I think the episode, again, does a nice job of showing that they can find fulfillment through this, but also emphasizing how much they don't want to deal with either of these things. Yeah. Or rather, how much Cameron doesn't want to deal with this and how much Joe very much wants to deal with this and is deeply troubled and frustrated that he can't deal with it and can't fix it mm-hmm. in a way that he wants it to be fixed. And I think that's really good. But then also it's really good watching <laughs> Boz just manipulate Joe into eating.
0: <laughs> oh, that was so that was so lovely yeah you know just, and just tell me how it tastes, that's all I
1: want, and then I'm gonna leave, and you're gonna start eating, and I've done my job because that's
0: what a parent does, yeah yeah well and and it's so important to eat with yeah because and especially you know Joe's the kind of personality to just like. Mm-hmm waste away because he hasn't eaten anything in three days and he hasn't realized it and so then he gets himself sick and then like it's a whole you know um yeah no that was really nice and 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 boz is lovely we love toby huss um and yeah i mean also i gotta say like lee pace has been like next level this season as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. like he's Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. upped his game every season and i think it's because the stuff they're giving him to play is much more interesting and complicated too
1: Right, and it's it's less stock and less like and by stock I mean like less cable quality prestige yeah. stock, which is what he got saddled with in season one. But really especially ever since they made the larger transition away from Texas into um the Valley that they've um he's had much more interesting things to do. And this season in particular because he's getting to play like a Joe that is realized. Like, both as a character, but also as a human being to himself. It's suddenly, like, I find all... he He's able to find all these different levels that he can fun, suddenly have in Joe to play. That Art was strained by having to hide behind some facade. He can just be Joe. And it's just, like, it comes through so much in Lee's Pace Lee's, Lee Pace's performance.
0: Well, I think we've put it off as long as we can... So this the structuring of this episode, um, as they did, what did you think about that decision to show us in their, it's, it's their anti-penultimate episode, but the last two episodes are going to air back to back, so it feels like their penultimate episode, to, sure. to, 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 to have, you know, Gordon's death and show his last memory, those last moment before he died, and then to use this next episode to explain what that was to us? Oh man, <laughs> right in the feels. Like, ah, uh, so, yeah. it was so clever and also so affecting. And when we opened on Gordon, I was like, oh, yay, we're opening with a flashback. I didn't want to say goodbye to Gordon and they didn't make me. Um, but then to then bring it back around to ex- the exact last moment that he experienced in his memory before he died. Oh, misting up just thinking about it. You talk a little bit. It was no, beautiful.
1: it's. It- it's deeply effective and deeply, it's just deeply, it's deeply affecting. And one of the things I really liked about it um, was, <clears throat> and this goes back to what, I, what has felt like sort of the central tenet, has become sort of the central tenet of the show, is the idea that all these different instances of their lives reflect different versions of them, but they're all the same person. And particularly in regards to Gordon and Donna, watching that flashback and watching them go from this sort of relaxed elation to just tearing one another's heads off um, through the course of that flashback is just, A, really elegantly written and acted because that pivots very quickly and very subtly. And it's really, really good. But then just the realization that this is just this is who they are. This is who they've been. This wasn't something that just sort of happened when Joe showed up and sucked into this idea of the giant. And But no, this was something that like they struggled with, that they settled into, and then just found rhythms that worked. And it was... It was really powerful to watch that sort of play out and to even tie back to like Gordon's memories in the previous episode of how much those things ended up mattering and how how deeply the, those things influenced their responses to one another's and how even when they're angry and fighting at one another, they could sort of find their way back. And I think that was a really significant thing for the show to demonstrate, um, especially given everything that happens with Cameron and Donna in terms of finding their way back to one another.
0: Well, and also... The way it's happened this season with with Cameron and Joe,
1: I mean yeah, the exactly.
0: central. I, I would say for me, the relationship of the entire series is is Cameron and Donna. But that is yeah. then that's been a you know not Gordon and Cam, but like with everyone else <laughs> with Gordon <Yeah>. and Joe, <laughs> with yeah. Cameron and Joe, and with Cameron and Donna. um Yeah, that that sense of that is also part like part of that was part of uh their dynamic Gordon and Donna's dynamic but also its just like this clearly for some people that would be a deal breaker but for them it wasn't and yeah. and for and that that implies that then for cam and Donna it, it doesn't have to be either right. um yeah and also just can we talk about the lovely like Cameron's Cameron the the Mackenzie Davis's performance when Donna tells Cam that she finished the game. And she's like, wait, wait, like, finish, finished, Like, for reals, finished? Mm-hmm. It's like, you get me? Yeah, it's, it yeah. was lovely. And right. I was wondering how they were gonna work that and it made perfect sense where they fit it in.
1: Yeah, it did. And Davis is just really good in this entire episode, is the thing, is like, her this, especially like the scene on the, um, the patio, roof, porch, wherever they are. Yeah. Um, Davis is just doing some really, like, naturalistic shit. And I could not tear my eyes off of her. Like, how she's holding her body, literally holding her body in some instances, but also, like, some of the hand gestures she has. It's just, it's deeply naturalistic in a way that reminded me a lot of, like, some of what Jodie Foster used to do a lot. Mm And I just I was really keyed into her performance this week and it was really it was there's not like a bad time to be keyed into a performance, but this was a particularly good time to be keyed into a performance.
0: Yeah. Also, Joni and and Haley, two uh, of the more um, entertaining, engaged and thoughtful teenage characters on TV, Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to remember how terrible they can be. Oh, Leo from yeah. Smash, <laughs> but um, but they also there's no reason they can't be wonderful. And here are two more examples yeah. up there with Paige, um, from The Americans, and so many others. So. Uh, well mm-hmm. done, all. What wins your week in genre and drama, she said? The Halt and Catch Fire no, Award answered. goes to Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, for the other candidates in this category, next week is the last time that Halt and Catch Fire could be eligible. So, um, yeah, it, the Halt and Catch Fire Award goes to Halt and Catch Fire. It's like lock top 10, right, at this point?
1: Yeah, no, I was actually talking with my friend Danielle um, a little bit. She texted me yesterday or wednesday I was just like is there a better show on this year than halt and catch fire and i kind of had to go let me consult my spreadsheet huh but i'm not sure right now and and this is also just also largely in part that i feel like steven universe has been off the air forever
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I've got a few other ones that are vying with it, like the leftovers, which I adore. Um, right, that but, makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, the it's definitely it's right up there and it was nice to see some other critics talking about it in that way this past week i'm looking yeah. forward to a bunch of love letters to the series like you know the next couple of days um leading up to the finale and then after the finale so we'll see what happens with that also side note for those who care about this this kind of stuff i'm one of the former writers on the show, uh, in all this, the the different discussions around Weinstein uh, mentioned that the by far the most woman friendly writers room that he had been in uh, was *Halt and Catch Fire*, and like that that it was just and, like and they they're talking about how that you can see that on the screen that it was such a I think diverse but also just like it's, there's a bunch of dudes on the writing staff but just very respectful of women and you can see the way that they respect their female characters as well and that's been so key for the show's success so anyways that's a fun little extra thing to make us love Hold and Catch Fire even more um now we'll take a break and come back with our spotlight on the CW superhero premieres we'll be right back after this back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And for our end of show segment here this week, we wanted to really focus in on the the CW superhero premieres. Um, Some of these uh, we've been watching regularly at least one Noel was going to break up with until they announced their casting. then so <laughs> forward- Michael
1: Emerson. He's not even in this episode.
0: <laughs> uh, I look forward to seeing, your hearing your thoughts, I should say, Noel, on these. Let's start with, uh, we're going to do Supergirl and then Flash and then Legends and then Arrow. So we're going to go in air order. Uh, let's start with Supergirl and Girl of Steel. Um, I was... I was watching this premiere, which I overall really enjoyed. and then I wanted to read reviews. So I immediately like scampered off to the internet to to find reviews. and Noel, I need to find more queer reviewers reviewing the show because like none of them were talking about Supercore, and like none of them were talking about <sighs> Sanvers. And I was like, "Are you kidding me here?" Like, like she for... buys a company for her. She buys a company for her. Friend of the show, Caroline Ceda, who reviews it over at the AV Club, did talk about some of that stuff. But overall, like many of the people that are reviewing the show for other publications, are it seems like they were chosen to steer into the comic book fan base mm-hmm. sure. side and of that things, makes sense. which yeah. makes sense. But I don't care, right? Who... And oh, Dad Annabelle's playing. <laughs>
1: Right, and at a third season, it kind of doesn't matter anymore. Like, no. as someone who has reviewed three of these shows, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you that it doesn't matter anymore. Like, the shows are their own animals at this point. Yeah. And, like, any asides and nods are nice. They're pleasant, but they're, they're, they're their own creatures at this point. Yeah. And especially Arrow, <laughs> but even, and Legends of Tomorrow, which is something crafted whole cloth from something out, from just, we, we want to keep all these people under contract. It's just like all of these are just like their own things at this point. So addressing them as their own properties with minimal comic book knowledge, I think is increasingly a benefit. Yeah. And I think that comes through in priorities of like what you're going to talk about, which is clearly Sandvers and how are we going to get out of this when we're going to get rid of Maggie yeah. In a way that's not going to be great because show I can't enjoy them bickering about tasting menus
0: when I know that this isn't going to happen. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is the so, let's start with Sandverse and then go to Supercore. So it was Sandverse, yeah. there was there there were so many really lovely scenes. Yes, there was yeah. some clumsy dialogue. Saved my uh-huh. fiance. It's like if there had been like yeah. you just like calling her that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I do. There there have been like like if Win had said something like that, then it would have made sense because it was such clumsy. Like, they're engaged, in case you weren't sure. Like, um, yeah. so there was some clumsy dialogue. But, in a vacuum, delightful, very lovely Sanders stuff in yeah. this episode. However, I have no confidence that they are going to stick the landing with Floriana Lima deciding to leave. So, yeah. because, like, I don't, they've said they're not going to kill her, but yeah. they're, I still am not confident that they're going to be able to sell it. And, and yeah. have it be something that doesn't betray either of the characters that is respectful to the, their relationship and what they've established this, you know, and yet feels like a legitimate reason for her to leave. Um, so if they do that, I will be able to then go back to this episode and be like... Oh, really cute sweet stuff and they're gonna have the biggest gayest wedding ever and that's delight I love that national
1: city has ever seen to which I go national city has not had a lot of gay weddings
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I loved um a friend of the show dr uh, Elizabeth Bridges posted yeah it's a thing people do and like some images of like the invitations to 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 her and mrs prof's wedding and it's like a mm-hmm. sparkly unicorn it was it was like it was like well <laughs> you're invited to our big gay wedding or something it's a sparkly mm-hmm. it was I was like oh she's like yeah it's a thing some of us do <laughs> that was delightful Um. so so if they can stick the landing then I will be able to enjoy this more I was trying yeah. to pre- like so I was watching going like in a vacuum if I didn't know other stuff about the the sure. that was coming I would really be enjoying the way that they're writing these characters it would fit with what happened last season and good performances from both and you know and it's very queer positive and great to see with that extra lens though like knowing what's coming up ahead it's the, them steering into it so much should give me confidence because it means that they are fully committing. And so they must have a very distinct, like they know what they're going to do. They're not just like trying to pretend it didn't happen, you know? Yeah. But I'm still on the fence. How do you feel about that?
1: No, I'm, I'm like super concerned. <laughs> um, I'm just like, I don't know how this is going to work. And I'm worried that the crossover is about uh, like a wedding already. It's about like Barry and Iris is the crossover is about Barry and Iris's wedding. And I'm just like, but what happens at the other wedding this season, apparently that's happening? And I'm just deeply concerned. And that this will either A not happen or B get really short um shrifted or C something else significantly worse. Um which at least see killing her is off the table. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just I'm I don't want them to lean it I'm I don't like that they're leaning into it because I know what's like come because i know that this isn't something that's necessarily going to stick in that lima's going to be around and that makes me sad yeah and so it's just it feels like death by a thousand cute cuts yeah of like i was really looking forward to this and now i'm now i'm just sort of like oh but she's going away
0: yeah wow yep okay well We'll see what happens with that. We will keep you appraised listeners on our thoughts on that. Let's talk about Supercore. She bought a media empire for her best gal pal. Yeah. Okay, after the the really unfortunate handling of Comic-Con and the, like, just very hashtag not all superhero, superhero yeah. actors of the, uh, the cast's response to that. Like which was ridiculous. I was encouraged that that's the cast, that's not the writers, and the writers have continued to to maintain what they like the what the rapport they established. Um it, it yes, it's over the top and ridiculous. Um if you wanna like like for just regular friendship, but okay, that's fine. That's what the the pattern they've established. And yeah. um I also loved like <laughs> Like the sense, it doesn't feel like this vision of Monal is the only thing that that wakes up Kara. It's also like that these all these other people in her life have reached out to her at the same. And when when she goes like she doesn't respond to lunch or to brunch, is you like she turned down pot stickers and then she blew off brunch. Clearly everything is wrong in Carla Like I thought that was just a, a lovely little. Like way to signal to the, each of these different people in her life, um, you know how much stuff she's still going through. Uh, so I thought that all that really worked, and I think bringing Lena into the work sphere is really smart. Hopefully, it'll give yeah. James more to do too, and they can interact. Yeah. Um. So yeah, because c- you know she's got the actress who plays Lena has chemistry with everyone <laughs> with the yeah. chair. So like, the hopefully does, yeah yeah. Hopefully that will 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 help with just like. Plot lines in in the workspace. Um, Any other thoughts on Supercore?
1: No, I think you tackled everything, and just the way that the way that they can integrate Lena into different spheres, I think it will be really helpful. Especially now that they've successfully written Callista Flockhart off in a way that sure makes sense for her to be depressed i'll take it i will take her being the press secretary to president linda carter who is also an alien i i I will take that i am okay with that that is and just like doing constant jabs at trump
0: yeah the the moron comment coincidence or reshoot what do you think
1: total reshoot last minute reshoot right i think it is very much a last minute reshoot um because there's no way that that was coincidence that was a last minute reshoot yeah and it was a very good last minute oh it was wonderful (laughs) (laughs) um but no so i'm excited about what that means and it also means that like morgan edge who i guess we should talk about next Mm um for the new stuff before we like transition to how this is also sort of an epilogue for the finale Mm -hmm. um is that um it allows like their villain to be a lot more central as opposed to peripheral which i which is something i think the show has struggled with but that's also something all these shows struggle with is that the villains sometimes feel a little too peripheral but now you've got in particular where you can't have a villain that does a lot of punchy punch stuff um because that gets really boring having a villain that has grudges against other people In the in these things And can do things to them Through his nefarious business means Means Lena and James and Kara's, um Like Job All get affected and I think that's a really smart play For them to make and it also Allows me to make more hard eyes When Lena uh, does things To make sure that car is okay
0: mm-hmm. And
1: secure in her job yes. Even if Snapper's on sabbatical Quote unquote <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I saw some people referencing um Edge, which that's just a stupid name, but whatever. Okay, it's such Morgan Edge is a very
1: comic book name. Yeah, and we're just gonna have to live with it.
0: Well, as they were there, people were referencing him as a Maxwell Lord, like a retread of Maxwell Lords. Like, shut your mouth. Adrian Pastar is much better in this than Vecchione right. was. It's as, also, like much better casting. It's not even close. No, and- it's much better casting and. Like
1: Lord is very different from Edge because mm-hmm. Lord was just like this vaguely weird sort of gross Elon Musk esque, but this is this is a guy who's willing to nuke an entire city for his project development, his yeah. building development plan. This is a much this is a much bigger threat, yeah, than Lord ever really was going to be.
0: Yeah, and also I saw people referencing him as a Trump stand in, and it's like yes, obviously there's elements there, but like right.
1: This... But it's not, like, in an aggressive no. way in any way, shape, or form. I mean, his jabs about the media is, like, the extent of where that goes,
0: yeah. really. Developer, um, sexist, and misogynistic, and, like, yes, and there's that's through just... lines, but, like... Yeah, what's corporate
1: America. Those are I mean... villain
0: through lines. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's... It just happens to be that our current president shares many traits with people yeah. who are usually written as the villains of everything. So, you know, yeah. that's that's not on Supergirl. Yeah, um, no. yeah. Any other thoughts on this one, or shall we move on to Flash? Well, how did you feel about
1: how they sort of dealt with Kara's, well, I can only be Supergirl... Because that's the thing that makes the most sense, and as, like, a retreat away from, like, emotions and feelings and that kind of thing, I felt like it didn't play particularly well, in part just because I've seen this sort of storyline a gazillion times, or read it a gazillion times, and so I was just sort of like, this isn't... please don't... please just resolve this in this episode, because... I come here for bubbly happiness not sadness
0: <laughs> well yeah and i think i think it made sense i thought like the yes, delivery it makes
1: sense for it to happen here
0: yeah but... and, and the delivery of kara danvers is a loser supergirl yeah. saves the world why would i ever you know like like i thought that that uh, first of all we should all we haven't mentioned it yet but M- melissa benoist was terrific in this episode yeah. like again the finding that exact placement for for kara Um, so that we're still, it still feels like her, um, but dealing with all this other stuff and, um, you can see how shut down she is, but she still, like, she still goes to help the guy, even if she does watches the, she wants to follow the guy, the other guys, the bad guys out the back. Um, like, I think she put the performance just where it needed to be, um, for us to buy this hardening in the sense that it had mm-hmm. been going on for a while. Um, I, I, and putting it here in this premiere, I thought words, worked because then they snapped her out of it for the end of the episode. And, and they, I like that they didn't just that they had her make the choice. Yeah. To, to, you know, self-motivate and to try to re-engage. Um, the big difference and hopefully they've learned from the flash because they went into it. They addressed it so directly in this premiere. I think that mean that tells me that they're not going to then make it a through line of the season which thumbs up because again, we come here for ice cream and excitement at getting ice cream. We don't come here for brooding. Um, I loved also, there are some really fun lines, but like, like the, this awareness that you know, she's like, Alex, I'm not like that. That's like your thing. Like it's no, no disrespect. That's just like the, the dynamics of the group. And John getting in on that oh, was just delightful. It was that So, so for me, it really worked because I think we needed some level of this response and that they, they yes. were honest with that and then backed away from it, um, In a way that made sense as well. So that we can now hopefully get a more. Kara. Like regular less traumatized Kara. Throughout the season.
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping for as well. Like I mean. I I didn't love it by any stretch of the imagination. But I recognized it as necessary. Which is basically how I was just like. All right. As long as you resolve this by the end of the episode. I'm good. I'm golden. Mm -hmm. Because you have to do this. Because otherwise it's a little ridiculous that you're not doing it. But. Uh, as long as you don't dwell in it is basically where I landed.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Which is a great way to transition to The Flash. <laughs> yeah. Um, how how did none of them, I guess because they don't know they're on a show, how did none of them realize that Barry was speaking only in quotes? I Don't know. I don't know. Like, it was really dry. I kept waiting for one of them to, like, realize that, that he was speaking only in direct quotes. Like, he said Oliver, you know? Like, that yeah. wouldn't, like... It, it was very it was very frustrating for me that no one keyed into that. Um, by the end of the episode, uh, how did this work for you? Like the notion of Iris imperiling herself, um, and then Barry that being enough to push Barry to go save her, and maybe there's this notion. At least I was guessing, wondering this if he they got him back, but he by by. Getting their berry back, they lost other information that they were going to need, you know? Um, How did you feel like that part worked? Were you okay with Iris in peril yet again? Um, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, at at least in, like,
1: this case, she sort of, like... Made a made a choice and a gamble of like her own volition of like this is how I'm going to snap him out of it because he's my constant basically <laughs> and if we're this is going to be what works and I'm also doing this to save the city and save save the love of my life and um so I like that it's her choice as opposed to her being kidnapped by this samurai robot which is just so cool it has (laughs) a jetpack. um so cool um it's much cooler than something else um Mm -hmm. but um that so i like that it's her choice um i don't like that it's stole what has to be done to get him out of this um so it's like a split sort of victory for me in that i like that it was her choice i did not like that this was the solution
0: yeah i liked that they gave her so much more to do they gave her a distinct role in the group they uh they like and it feels like that's the kind of thing that she could do because she wasn't moving satellites around. She was just, like, looking at dots on the map, you know, like... Yeah. And she's using her instincts and her judgment, which has been shown to be very strong um, throughout yeah. the series. So, like, I, I thought that that was a really smart way to to incorporate her more fully onto Team Flash. Um, the, the mystery of, like, what's the deal with Samurai Robot Guy? And, like, the, I think they did a good job of layering in threads of... Somebody wanted to get Barry out of the Speed Force for whatever reason and they wanted the, like maybe they wanted the information that he had in his brain because of, you know and then they wanted to reset him it's like the the idea of manipulating the team into getting him back which is what the whole purpose of the robot was, like I, they don't make that explicit but I think it's not that hard to imply and that's an interesting way to kick off the season and an interesting way to get our hero back and have having that be a direct motivation of this at least part of the season-long villain. Right.
1: No, and it's it's a deeply manipulative way in the way that makes sense for a character who's literally called the Thinker. And um, despite his borg-esque appearance his cheap borg halloween costume floating chair knockoff appearance (laughs) it fits with a character that is going to be thinking light years ahead of them as opposed to running light years ahead of them and so i'm excited about that aspect of it because as i've been since they announced that they were going to do devos as the main villain this season um because god i'm so tired of speedsters (laughs) (laughs) um so I'm even if he doesn't necessarily know he's in the speed was in the speed force he knew he was somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but every villain knows about the speed force, so I just assume the thinker does too. And I think that's a fair assumption to make
0: at this point. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um,
1: uh, was there anything else? Um, Grant Gustin was really good in this episode. I thought. Um,
0: I thought it was fine. I didn't think he was yeah. great.
1: Yeah, no, I thought he was really good. I enjoyed his, um, as they refer to it as beautiful minding. But I also like acknowledge your point of like, how dumb is everyone on this show? Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't figure out that he's clearly like going through time and different points in his life. Yeah. He's Sam Beckett at himself, and he's got the reverse Swiss cheese brain.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like <laughs> this house is bitching. Yes, I love. I like you know that's going to come back in some way, yes. and it's delightful. Um that's yeah. super that's like the delivery from Gozel that's like does this mean anything to you? It was was so much so much fun. I also really liked the little moments we got um with with Caitlin like back on the team. Uh I'm not interested in Jekyll hiding with with that. that's not interesting at all. But um no, it's not but ha- like I like the way that Danielle Panabaker is pitching her performance. Of Caitlyn, I, I I think that's a more like there's a level of detachment, um here, um and just more, pained or like like scarred, you know, that yeah. I think works really well for and 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 complements the dynamics of the group more than bubbly, less scarred Caitlyn. Yeah,
1: um no, I absolutely agree. Even from like a costuming level, I go. Oh, ripped jeans and a choker—that mm-hmm. tells me bartender. And it's like <laughs> literally anything else can tell me bartender, <laughs> but we're gonna go with the shortest shorthand possible here. But yeah. no, no, I agree that Penna Baker's performance is what carries that, and um, her. Her willingness to like play up the scarred nature of it, especially when they need that balance now more mm-hmm. than ever, without like Julian being present and quickly shuttled back off to England. Mm-hmm. Um, that they need some sort of not resistant but some a different level for the team to play off of, especially if there's not a Harrison, um, within the group. And they don't even like they acknowledge like Harry's passing and everything, but they also very quickly don't reintroduce harry to us or Mm -hmm. i'm sorry they acknowledge hr's passing but they don't reintroduce harry as a part of the team in any way shape or form or even talk about him really and so they need that kind of foil within the team because otherwise it's just a bunch of people who want to do the right thing and maybe sort of argue about that but all really deeply love each other
0: yeah (laughs) yeah no i i agree um i and i hadn't i didn't miss him i didn't miss kavanaugh here and yeah. I di- hadn't thought about her filling that role, but you're right that that does help balance everybody. Yeah, else, so. I mean
1: it's not the same type of thing, but it's at least yeah enough of a distance.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. It works it works well. Um, anything else on this, or it's time no. for legends? Let's talk Rubicon yeah. And what do you think of them making the team just totally pathetic? I didn't buy Ray in the tech sphere. I didn't buy that at all, but like the rest no. of it, I thought was That's... so fun to just make them total failures.
1: No, I really enjoyed that. Um, even if like I mean, even if um, Nick Zano's character, whose name I still can't remember, and it's been a season. Yeah, doesn't um, Steel, right? Captain. Yes, it isn't Steel. Yeah, Commander Steel, something. Yeah. Um. Is is sort of pathetic? I mean, he's he's a superhero still, but he's operating in a city in which. Yeah. There's a Kid Flash. They don't need him. And he's Central City's second most popular hero, and he's <laughs> more popular than Vibe. I was like, I'm pretty I sure feel like Cisco would too. I, yeah, I feel like Cisco would argue with that point
0: a little bit,
1: even just based um, on
0: costuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But no, I, I liked how everyone was just sort of like in, the, except for except for Rory, mm-hmm. who's clearly very happy with mm-hmm. his life right now. But no, I liked how like our central three within this episode were all like deeply unhappy with their lives and um, everything you put Sarah Lance into a Bed Bath and Beyond setting being yelled at by manager types. And it's just like, I am here for this all day long (laughs) yeah
0: the only thing that doesn't work is that that's never where she would be or what she would be doing because she would be with her father and like they're trying so hard to like get you to not think about that in this and also in arrow especially when they keep going back to she's my baby girl we're gonna talk about when we get to arrow um like the fact that yes like captain lance has all these issues with laurel but also his other daughters totally abandoned him Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and he just never
1: show wants to acknowledge it
0: no and like and like when he's having a really hard time and like are you kidding they've been gone for what six months that's not long to be bumming around spending time with your father that you never see because you're gallivanting through time so yeah (laughs) yes it was funny but you know, and I think with the way that the the level at which this is pitched, the mostly very comedic, I think that works. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I always think of that with with her.
1: No, and I think that's a fair thing to think about, especially again to your point about what the Arrow premiere hits just aggressively hard. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the rest of this I thought was just kind of sort of fine as again a way of like rebooting things. Um, uh uh rick's time authority guys are just sort of a okay whatever we need something for arthur darville to do Mm -hmm. i guess because reasons i I mean it's just i i i i think your point about them just sort of being pathetic i like this idea that they're just jokes Mm -hmm. at this point and how that'll freeze up the show just to be funny of, yeah. like these are all people who are generally competent at what they do generally competent at what they do they just really generally suck at this thing that they do mm-hmm. and but it's it's fun and it's funny and just the ridiculousness of how easy everyone's chemistry is both actors but also as characters i think just helps propel the show even in an episode that virtually has no subplots at all yeah and a lot just allows them to sort of like go through a lot of stuff in an hour um and tell just a really ridiculous story about caesar rallying troops at a spring break in aruba (laughs) during a toga party like none of this makes sense kate but i'm buying every second of it and then transitioning to the fact that he's taken over the world because he's he stole a history book yeah to which I go, how did he steal a history book? So without like, it's a big book, Kate. Mm-hmm. I really don't understand how he just lift he li- just lifted that off Nick Xano's character.
0: He's not the brightest. Let's be honest. No,
1: he's he's very
0: dumb. He's he's very um, good so at was, his history stuff, and that's it. Yeah.
1: Uh, did anything else particularly stand out to you? How do you think that they're going to like write out Victor Garber?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that they're going to as much as i love Mm -hmm. victor garber don't get me wrong but um the acknowledgement of jefferson and stein being in such different places i thought was really nice and uh, certainly counteracting the old white dude kidnapping a young black dude to use his body so that he can go off on adventures like Woo! Very glad that they are like had the characters talk about that and then have this be his way of paying him back for having done that. Um, yeah. I thought was nice, but uh, like in bringing back the daughter, I think is why Like they'll figure out yeah. a way to stabilize Jefferson or have find someone else for him to bond with. And then they'll let Stein go back to recurring <laughs> to go spend yeah. time with his, his grandchild. So, um, yeah, that, that will be, that, that'll work. Uh, I'm not sure I buy like this full steer into bitchy rip. Didn't like, there are parts of it yeah. that felt like a It doesn't line. work. But I, I think, yeah. yeah, overall, I don't buy it. I think it would have worked much better if he was like the, you know, I, you know, I can't, there's only so much I can do for you. Like, I build this whole bureaucracy. <laughs> and right. so I can't, I can only bend a few things for you guys. You keep screwing up, like, um, but then, like, you know, letting him slip out the back door. Like, that, I think, would have been, again, very, very common, a very common, like, Stock character, but I think it would have yeah. worked. You know, like like the more the Skinner figure, <laughs> I guess. Yes. Um. Yeah. Versus what they do here, I don't. I don't buy it. Like I've, having been through what they w- went through, I don't buy Rip behaving this way towards his old team.
1: No, I don't either. And it's sort of like I get that it's been like a number of months for him, and it's only been
0: or five years literally, for him. Like
1: yeah, or however long it's been. Yeah, and but for them it was like two minutes yeah and th- the degree to which he's changed towards them that much is seems just aggressively weird and f- forced yeah to f- propel this narrative um forward though the only other good thing about the time authority is that clearly sarah and that other woman are going to fall in love <laughs> and it's going to be very lovely
0: yeah, they're going to fall on something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they <laughs> are definitely going to fall on something.
0: But uh yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with the rest of the Time Agency. But um the Time Bureau, I should say. Let's move on to the last episode we're talking about here, and that's the Arrow premiere Fallout. Um After having broken up the, with the show, how did it feel to come back?
1: God, this show's dumb, Kate.
0: <laughs> uh, like, I thought it I was appreciate... a solid premiere. Yeah,
1: no, I appreciate the fact that they're just like, all right, here's virtually everyone's status yeah except thea's in a coma yeah Uh, and but everyone else survived the massive explosions and i just went yeah okay except for the one character that we needed not to survive for the sake of the story we wanted to tell so we're gonna kill off samantha
0: yeah i I thought she was gonna be in a coma especially when when he said my mom's gone I was yeah. like, or you know, like not dead. I was like, oh, she's gonna be in a coma along with Thea, and I was like, oh, they yeah. only did one of them. That's probably better. But two comas, double coma, dueling comas, as it was, yeah, as it were. Um, okay, well, let's let's go through some of these threads. I think Paul Blackthorne has been a real boon to the show overall. Um, yes. Even if they keep giving Lance the same things over and over again, I can't decide whether I applaud the the reality of having him so frequently backslide in his mm-hmm. sobriety um or i'm frustrated by the repetition of it because i think it, it, it is very honest yes but you gotta eventually you need a new well to also draw from
1: right and that's that's the issue is like they find different things for him to backslide due to mm-hmm. ish um but it's it's just the same thing for the character all the time and that's sort of like the issue that the show sort of has is that they can't find new dramatic wells for a lot of these characters, even if they suddenly have one for Diggle, which I'm very interested and excited about in this episode. Mm. But it's just like him constantly sort of threatening to backslide or actually backsliding, um, is just it's difficult to watch and you can I can almost feel Blackthorn just getting really frustrated. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, he's doing like, a terrific job with it.
1: He is. He so, is, like, some vocal but,
0: performance was he just, like, layers some alcohol, but clearly hasn't had those three shots yet. Like, yeah. that was good. But, again, yeah. he's gonna... He
1: sure. wants something else to do, he's I bored. feel like. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, I've been doing this for three years now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like Quinn's been, like, on the verge of this for, like, three years. He was definitely doing it, like, mm-hmm. when I was watching the first half of season five. Yeah. Um, That I'm just like, all right, he just needs something different to do yeah and the the way that they're overemphasizing how he's responding to earth to black laurel is just it's driving me nuts
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i'm glad that there's a conversation about it and i'm glad that he feels that deeply about his daughter but it goes to like what your point regarding sarah and just being like what does he really and it's just like the segregation of a shared universe makes this very difficult to sort of buy into
0: yeah. Well, and maybe they can talk, bring up later the notion that he's also projecting on as well. Like there's also this yeah. loss of Sarah. She, like that would be a smart thing for them to, to pull in. I don't know that they yeah. will because they don't want to no. say anything bad no. about one of their stars, you know, on the other yeah. show. But um, that would be that would be a smart thing. I think the, because they steered so heavily into it here, I think this is going to be a thread for the season and how they're going to play a lot of stuff with Black Siren. I'm still expecting a redemption arc. For Black sure. Siren um, yeah. at some point and through her connection to to Captain Lance um, and like and her connection to him, the notion that she feels as strongly about him as her father, as he does about, you know, like just like, which is a new idea. This the, that the Flash is definitely not done that when you go to the other these alt universes, you still have that same pull to the people who are most important to you, even when they're different. yeah. So I well, mean, I like, mean,
1: the Flash sort of did that, but not to a this little. extent. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see where they go with that. But I think that means I. I'm, I'm slightly encouraged by it because I think that means that they have a plan, whether it's a good plan. I was about to
1: say to they may have a plan, but this is Arrow, and they typically don't have good plans.
0: <laughs> um, I liked what we got with Felicity. I liked what we got with Felicity and with uh, Ollie. I liked what we got with Dig, where he's got some like nerve damage. Going on, um, and that's you know an issue for him to deal with. I liked, uh, I think, Mister Terrific and like the the T Sphere stuff. Like that's an interesting thing for her to steal. We'll see where that goes. Um, but the, I, feel, I feel like the main thing we have left to talk about here is um, we, is William and then the end of the episode. So let's talk. Go, William. Are you excited about that dimension being added to the show of Ali as a father?
1: Oh, I think excited would be too strong since this is a show I dipped out of Mm -hmm. uh, for like a decent chunk of season five. So mostly I wonder about the show's ability to balance that and to do things with it that push anything interesting for Oliver. Mm -hmm. Um, Since um, the show drifted away from domestic life and domesticity um, pretty quickly after season two um, because It wasn't really working for them, which is why they integrated everyone very quickly after that, Mm -hmm. um, so that they didn't have to do that anymore. And so I'll be curious to see how they manage that with William and if they can manage that. And So I'll be curious to see what it does for Oliver if they can do something good with Oliver then it'll be worth it and i i i think that they can because he has enough father issues of his own <laughs> <laughs> that they can find some some way to some way to push him forward um but i i just worry about william becoming a cat's paw in something like what he was in the finale or um just something that irri- that causes like plot itch irritation that distracts from being a superhero and I, the show doesn't need that at season six, but as long as they can like do make it work into Oliver's arc in some way, then that's fine. How do you feel about
0: that? Then, yeah, I think it is good to shake up the dynamic a bit here in yeah. in season six. Um, I think that having Thea in a coma is good for that too. Um, because again, they've just they've again they have too many characters on the yes. show. Um, that becomes an issue. Uh, so having different like. Seeing how Oliver, especially Oliver, at this point in the show, is affected by having a son in as a regular part of his life, I think will be interesting. Seeing how that affects Felicity, I think is much more interesting because I love this notion that she's not super domestic and that um, she. <laughs> we know
1: she's not. We've seen her try to cook things.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, but like, but as far as like just. It, Maternal and inst- like okay. instinctually yeah, yeah, yeah. like wanting to be involved in the kid's life and everything and just I think it follows well with the other tension between them um, when she found out about the kid and that he'd been lying about the kid too so um, I think that there's potential there um, we'll see what happens with it uh, and especially with all the 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 like fatherhood stuff that they have with Renee I think there's some threads yeah. that they want to draw and they can. Uh, but i i absolutely agree there's a lot of potential for it to just be the same like oh who should be kidnapped this week i think it's right. the main character's son you know like yeah. and the, the potential for annoying child <laughs> syndrome is really high <laughs> that being said i like that all uh, oliver's uh nanny uh from when he was kid is back uh, i think yeah. that, i thought that was nice a nice little touch and um and so we'll see how much of a presence she has. I hope she has a significant, like, proportionate to how much William is around. <laughs> yeah, that would, I think be appropriate. So we'll we'll see how that part goes. Um, yeah. Any other any final thoughts on Arrow or any of these other premieres? Do You well, want to rank them? You want
1: you want to talk about the? Oh, um, yes. The fact that everyone knows he's the Green Arrow again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like why go back to that? Well. Again, unless you're going to yep. confirm it, but if you, I think they've gone so far with like the Green Arrow being, um, like wanted by the police that they can't have that be confirmed, and so then it becomes a matter of like, they like they had they brought in Human Target guy last year to to undo this, and I mean they they have a photograph ah oh, like that could be photoshopped, so that's not. I I just I'm a little uh bored by going back to this well because i don't i think it would break the show for them to confirm it so then again this points to me to the idea they must have a specific plan they're do they're working towards with this um and maybe that will be like alt universe you know because <laughs> like i like picture i was expecting was gonna be laurel because mm-hmm. that like She's a dead hero of the city, and now she's terrorizing yeah. the city with no mask on. So I feel like that's a much more obvious... So we'll see what they, where they go with it. What do you think about it?
1: I'm sort of a, like, this is just kind of... I feel like they resolve it next week, and mm-hmm. they just move on. And Then why bring it up? I, exactly. It's just like, even if you're... Even if the FBI character that they're introducing next week is a recurring sort of figure, a la, like, The Reporter last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes one of those things in which, well, what new thing can you offer for this that yeah. does anything or compels the city to act in a different way? Which is a ridiculous thing to say on this show because the city never really exists. Yeah. Um, like I, 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 don't know what the tension is supposed to be for this again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just it feels a dipping into secret identity stuff, but b dipping into the fact that again, within the comics is just like that Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow was sort of like a semi-open secret Mm -hmm. type of thing. And it was actually revealed that he was the Green Arrow while he was mayor in the comics. And so they're just like poking at that a little bit more. And I just go, but yeah, but your show doesn't matter for this particular plot element. Like just Mm -hmm. let him keep his secret identity and you're good, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And you can do the, the... bland political stuff that you guys like to do and then we can talk about your black lives matters episode when it airs and yeah yeah will be a thing <laughs> don't think i didn't forget guggenheim i didn't forget we've
0: not forgotten rank the premieres <sighs> um but in terms of promising excited about um fun or forgettable or gonna watch against my will <laughs>
1: Errors, watch against my will. Okay. Um, That that was very easy. Um, Flash premiere has a lot of promise, I think, for the show to sort of return to its season one sort of mentality, I'm hoping. Um, The promos for episode two really kind of reinforce that. Mm -hmm. Um, Legends is just plain fun, and I'm really excited to always watch that. And then Supergirl was whatever the fourth one is. These were not ranked (laughs) in like an order or anything. um, But... i i I, i'm i'm always eager for to see what supergirl is going to do um even if i'm wary of extra extra textual things coming into play with this um so what about you how would you position these
0: um i thought that they were all solid to good premieres um i thought that they did about as well as of a Response to the arrow finale last season is they were gonna do. Actually, I thought it did a good job of kind of starting their show up again. Um the Legends premiere was really fun. And and Supergirl, again, if I take away the extra textual stuff, super on board with it. My favorite of these premieres. With that, is I'm less certain. So I would go probably Supergirl, Legends, just for the funsies, ridiculous yeah. funsies. My classic who you know, fandom is showing there, um, then flash the narrow, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. If you show it here at the end of our week's episode, you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find us up in, uh, uh, Facebook, like the page and start a conversation there. You can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher and we would appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And then of course we're both in, uh, uh on Twitter. I'm at the televerse and Noel, you are at Noel RK. And that wraps up our our, our weekend TV and our superhero jamboree. CW superhero shows definitely the best of the superhero shows going right now. Yes. Yeah,
1: though I didn't watch the second episode of The Gifted yet.
0: Yeah, no me neither. <makes noise> okay. Uh thank you Noel as ever. Thank you everyone thank for you. listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The you.